And there she was again, Anna Muscuri and Jayang Javeri and JJ's Music Box is live now. Good afternoon to you, Jayang. Good afternoon. Can you hear me loud and yes, clear? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Now, we've actually played the track that we were going to end with, but we did play White Rose of Athens to start with. So tell me about that track. Well, the White Rose of Athens uh, was Nana Muscuri's signature song. Um, it's, be, it's based on a Greek uh, melody, uh, which was uh, uh, fashioned by her mentor, Manos Hadjidakis, um, who wrote a lot of songs for her in Greek. And it was first released in a German version uh, by the self of an eponymous album called The White Rose of Athens, which sold a million copies um, in the early 60s in Germany. And that's really what put her on the international map. Um, of course, uh, and the second song that you played, I uh, just wanted to uh, uh, talk a little bit about that. That's from an LP released in 74 called Nana's Book of Songs, which became extremely popular in this part of the world, as it so happens. And it was a cover of, uh, it was a song written by Neil Young. And she was, uh, I wanted to play that as an example of her, I mean, it was a cappella, and I just wanted to play that as an example of a song that really uh, shows her voice in full flow. Now, Nana was a classically trained singer. Right. And she was actually meant to do opera, but she was kicked out of the conservatory after six or seven years of training because she uh, made the egregious mistake of singing jazz in a club in Athens. And so her vocal teacher said, well, you've done the unthinkable, and so you shall not be able to continue with your classical studies. I mean, it was that harsh. So she said, oh, well, I'll go my way. Now, one thing about Nana is that uh, since childhood, she's, she has only one functioning vocal cord. Oh, gosh. So how does that yes. certainly affect her singing? Yes, well, you know that that kind of um, makes her voice quite unique. But you can you can hear that in her when in her speaking voice when it's quite a rasping voice. Uh, um, but uh, she's another lady, just like our dear old Lata Mangeshkar, who had a very long career, which spans, which started in the 1950s and uh, well went into. Uh, 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 the 2010s. Uh, I mean, I think she was still singing till about 2012. Okay. So it didn't, it I mean, in terms, incredible. Of, yeah, in terms of her singing, that had no real effect. If anything, it was, it was absolutely fine for her, was it? Yes, absolutely. She was absolutely fine. And she went on to record songs in about 16 different languages. Oh, gosh. Inclu including, I might add, Mandarin. Oh, really? Uh, she, did a, wow. she, she did a Mandarin single um, uh, as well. And she was once asked as to how did she master so many languages? And she says, no, it was not the language. It was just the pronunciation. Uh -huh. And very much like her own Lata Mangeshkar, she would come into the studio and spend hours just mastering the accent and the pronunciation. You could never tell that this was not her native That's language. That's amazing, isn't it? This is the dedication, isn't it, that some of these wow. singers have really... Absolutely. The pitch perfection, the expression. Of course, there was always that slight accent, uh, and the non-English bit did, did come through slightly ever so, but that made it all the more exotic. Mm -hmm. And of course, what made her really exotic were her trademark glasses.
Yes, yeah. I remember. I remember when I was quite young, I think I saw her on the Eurovision Song Contest. And after that, whenever she came, she was on top of the pops, she was on different things. But it was always the dark glasses and the dark hair that stood out the most that you, you just remembered about her. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, there was the other thing was that um, uh, she was introduced to the British audience uh, by um, the BBC. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think uh, we're slightly uh, off mic. If you could just get know, close it's to right, your it's mic. Okay. Yeah, it's, sorry about this. She was, she was introduced to the B British audience by the BBC on a show uh, called Introducing Nana Mushkuri. And uh, that ran from 1968 till 1976. Wow. God, I'm yeah. trying to think whether and I... They yeah. uh, it was, it was, yeah, absolutely. And I it was there... Oh, do you remember that? Yeah, I think I think I seem to recall because I do remember seeing her a lot as I was growing up. And, you know, she was a significant part of our life in terms of, yes, her music was there. And it was just her, the, the, just the, the vision of her, which I remember very clearly, you know, so. Oh, I, so, uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, so you had this bespectacled, uh, you know, very elegant looking lady mm. who came and sang in multiple languages, uh, you know, introduce uh, uh, their audiences, uh, British audiences to Greek songs and by telling them stories. And uh, then uh, she was joined by many guests, uh, including the King Singers, uh, which you might have heard uh, in the last track that you played. Um, and uh, later on, she went on to do many television shows in Germany, in France. I mean, she made Paris her home as early as 1960. She was discovered by Quincy Jones in America, who Ooh. asked her to come over to America. She cut an album with him in 62. Oh, wow. Um, and then she was discovered by Harry Belafonte, uh -huh. and, uh, who took her on tour in the 60s. Uh -huh. And uh, 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 there was this very interesting incident where um, he, on before her, the first stage show, uh, of a couple of days before the first stage show, said, uh, can you please take off your glasses? <laughs> All and right. she said, not on your life. I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, you know? right. Okay. It was an image and, thing, was it? That, you know, she yes. She relented. Uh, he relented. And they cut uh, together. They cut an album of Greek songs with Harry Belafonte joining her. Oh, God. Which was quite amazing. something for the yeah. American market. Yes. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I discovered Nana in I was just going to ask you, actually, because I know we were talking about this yesterday and you mentioned that, you know, at, you discovered her at a very young age and you were completely besotted by her. And so how did that happen for you? So, well, I was, uh, I might have been nine around then. And uh -huh. we lived in, uh, in those days, we lived in Antwerp, uh, Belgium. And I saw her first on Dutch television. Um, and uh, she was just, her voice and her presence and everything was just so enchanting. And I remember uh, I, my first, very first LP of Nana Mushkuri was Nana's Book of Songs from which you played that track. Mm -hmm. And it has been a favorite ever since. Um, and uh, she, uh, I went on, I saw her live in Antwerp in 1979. I think it was February or March. Um, and I remember being very disappointed because my father, uh, Halfway through the concert, he said, okay, it's too late for bed. You know, we, can, oh, we no. need to get home. <laughs> oh, God. And you're completely yeah. transfixed by her. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, she was, you know, in full flow then. Yeah. She may have been in her 40s at wow. that time, a late, wow. late 40s. 
and uh, obviously uh, she doesn't sing as much now uh, but uh, she is very much a legend i mean she went on to become a member of the european parliament as well and she resigned i believe because of her pacifist views mm-hmm. um she's revered in her home homeland greece and she's very fondly loved throughout the continent and beyond um even wow. today right and and just and generally i mean like internationally she has got a lot of attention hasn't she Yes, she has got a lot of attention internationally obviously because she's sung in so many languages. I mean, French and German and English being the mainstays apart from her mother tongue Greek and she's done albums in Spanish in um she's done a couple of Latin albums as well. Um and she's done other languages um in in Europe. I mean, uh, I remember her telling the audiences in Antwerp that day that she says the only language she hasn't done is Dutch. in mm-hmm. flemish you know mm-hmm. but uh, when she spoke the few sentences of flemish that i can remember they were absolutely perfect and i can i still remember the audience going absolutely gaga when she mentioned that wow uh, that's amazing yeah. isn't it and uh, i mean yes she in um, the uh, early 2000s i think she cut an album uh, in mandarin as well that's it so um, <laughs> uh, in this for this part of the world and She has sold over 300 million copies. She's one of the largest selling uh, female vocalists of all time. Mm. Um in in uh, um, amongst an international genre. So, so I mean we I th- I think now for some time I I don't recall seeing her. I mean did she retire early? Has she kind of kept a low profile? What's been the general sort of way that she's been since um she, she's kind of disappeared a little bit now, hasn't she? Yeah, she she apparently lives in Switzerland with her second husband uh, uh Andre Chappell. and um uh, she's involved uh, I mean I know when Greek Uh, Greece went through uh, uh, troubled times economic times she uh, went public and said that uh, she's renouncing all her pensions and contributing her uh, rather uh, substantial pension to the Greek uh, uh, economy um she's uh, not seen much she doesn't perform much in public i presume that's probably because you know you do have you come to come to a point where your voice does not quite uh uh give you company as much as it used to mm-hmm. but she's become a very dignified person um i mean wherever she is i mean she's uh recently i think the last that i saw her was when she completed her 80 uh, i think her on her 80th birthday in a documentary uh which was done by the bbc that was really the last that i saw uh, her on screen um she did perform in hong kong um in the i think it was in the late 90s or in the early 90s Mm-hmm. um and i wasn't here which <laughs> oh well, this this also the interesting thing about nana mushkuri is she was often uh, uh the the butt of uh, jokes and caricature by people like benny hill mm, uh, who did yes. a per- impression on her you know but what i do like is that she stuck to her guns and and you know because now it, people are so image conscious and they do change their appearance purely because they are there in the limelight you know so she has stuck to it she never took the glasses off she could have easily put contact lenses and become a glamour queen but she didn't <laughs> sure so now so this might be a time good time for playing another song of hers um and this i know is your favorite uh, oh i haven't uh, got it oh the moon oh, dance oh, no, oh. this Hang yes. On. Oh, well, if you tell me a little bit more about her, let me just get it. Hang on. <laughs> Go on. Okay, right. 
Well, so tell me um, about Moondance then. Do you know anything about this one? Well, that was from an album called The Power of Love. She also covered uh, one of uh, Celine Dion's songs then. In, uh, this was around 1987. And uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, that album did uh, decently well. And um, I know that uh, a lot of our listeners would identify with that one. And uh, uh, there we go. Yeah, and I'm still trying to just punch the details in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's just try today. I think we've been kind of thrown a wee bit here today. Okay, I have it just now. Jinxed. There you go. Let's just play that now. That's Nana Muscuri and Moondance, one of my favorite tracks there. I love that one, Jayang. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> so. My one of mine, one of mine too. At that time in '87, uh, when I just newly come to Hong Kong, but uh-huh. uh, yes, it's 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 been a it's been an absolute uh, pleasure and privilege to have seen her live. I think that's one of the highlights. Mm. Of, uh, uh, yeah, you're very lucky. Too. That's right. So yes, and so, looking back at her life, what would you say? You know, we have a, about a sort of minute or so before the news now. What was the most sure. significant part? Do you think for what was the what was the most significant part of it for you in terms of when she really made her mark? I think it was her determination, um, and and that showed right in the beginning. Like, uh, yes, she was kicked out of uh, conservatory, where she wanted to be an opera singer, and uh, the great thing was because her voice was trained. Uh, in the operatic style as well, you can see that it comes through. You, there are many songs where you can see uh, the, the opera, operatic influence. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is right at an early age, you saw the determination. For instance, she was asked um, to perform on a visiting uh, U.S. Navy ship, uh, in Ath- which was docking in Athens. Mm-hmm. And she was only given five minutes. And again, they made some remarks on her, uh, on her uh, glasses. And she said, no, I'm not taking them off. Oh, you know? my goodness. And, and that five, those five minutes, I believe, turned into 45 minutes. And she sang jazz there. Wow. And they were just... Compl- and you see that... Uh, uh, thing uh, was reported apparently in some publication. Uh, one of the writers had mentioned her, and uh, that's how she came to the notice of the American audience. Well, finally. she she was an amazing woman, Jang. I want to thank you so much. We're just going up to the news on the hour now. It's been absolutely fabulous learning about her, and oh, I look Likewise, forward to you. seeing you next week again. I'll see you then. <laughs>